Welcome back to another episode of Everything Aviation Podcast. On this episode, it's a fantastic one for you today. We have an awesome person who had won the Steve Thorne, or better known to you guys who follow aviation as Flight Chops' competition, which just aired a couple of weeks ago, where he's flying the extra. Uh, this person has also had done a massive adventure and is now a full-time flight instructor. It's Hannah Neal. Hannah, how are we? I agree. How are you? Not bad at all now. Not bad. I, I wish I could fly, but because of the pandemic, we're on lockdown and we can't. So I'm very jealous of yourself getting ready to go flying. Okay. Wait, even GA for you. Even even GA, we can't do unne- unnecessary journeys. We can't travel to the airfield. Oh, that's I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry to hear that. I didn't know that. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's uh, oh well. It's been oh. my last flight. I think I did as P1 was the 12th of December of 20. No, uh, 2020. 2020 oh my gosh that's so long ago <laughs> <laughs> but we're like on the up we've, we've been given the green light from the 12th of april so we're, we're, i think the whole oh, country's oh, buzzing oh. now so well i hope you all remember how to fly by then <laughs> just like every pilot that hasn't flown in months going up at the same time that sounds a bit uh, it's a scary thought personally i want to go with an instructor first just to be checked out but um yeah but even those instructors haven't been flying, so... <laughs> oh, that, that's a fair point, actually. <laughs> so, Hannah, I'm going to take it back to the start. Um, I don't usually start with the, with, the, with the massive stuff here, but I think this is where your journey kind of began, was with you applying for Flight Chops' competition. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, that was very early on in my flying career. I had actually been a student pilot when I had applied for that, so... I, I don't even think, I just soloed an airplane for the first time. I was very early on, I was very naive um, in aviation. So hadn't even gotten my private pilot certificate yet, just a student pilot uh, waiting on my check ride. And I saw this, uh, this come up on Instagram of like, oh, you could do this thing in Canada. And I just started following Steve um, so I could learn more about aviation. And I found his YouTube channel and I was very new to all this. I, ha- I had no idea what Warbirds were, I didn't know what aerobatics were. I had no idea what, what the plane was. I didn't know what an extra 300 was, no idea. But I applied uh, thinking, oh, yeah, this could be cool. And I didn't really think much of it. But then a few months later, I think it was, a, I think I applied in January or so. And then they let me know a few months prior to that uh, or after that, uh, that I had won and that they were going to fly me all expense paid out to Canada to- wow hang out and with flight chops and the whole crew and then be on this episode. And I, I couldn't believe it. And that experience honestly did change my flying trajectory. Like it seems kind of dramatic to say that, but as someone so impressionable as I was when I went to this experience and when I had this flight, um, I think it was so good that I was in that stage of, of the impressionable and young, young pilot. I don't know. (laughs) I'm still pretty young. I'm 23, but, um, you know, the, the young and impressionable pilot uh, that is like, yeah, I'm, I'm down for anything. So it really changed my trajectory for flying. It was fantastic to watch as well, um, especially now because we, we've looked on, I'm sure we're going to talk about it, but you've, you've also gone on to do aerobatics, you've gone aerobatic rating, and then you've got a few trophies under your belt for aerobatic competitions. Did that kind of stem from, because for people who haven't actually seen the video, um, Steve Thorne or Flight Chops brought Hannah out, as you said, to Canada. And the one thing, there was kind of three stories going on was, was your own story, Hannah. Um, there was a, a friend of Steve's who wanted to solo the extra 300 and there was Steve himself who wanted to fly a, a competition box. Um, so his his whole thing was, it, it was a, it effectively based around aerobatics. 
Um, and did you have any idea what you, what you were getting into at that point? Like you said, you never knew what an X three hundred was. No, I had no idea. I had I had no idea the uh, the feeling of being in that plane. I had never experienced in my life before because all I knew was uh, I'd, I'd really only flown, you know, I started in a 172 and then I, I did the rest of my training in a Piper Archer, very tame, benign, straight and level uh, aircraft. And I just did some pattern and maybe I'd go do a cross country and then maybe a little stall and that's all I knew. And so I had, I had no idea. It completely blew my mind. I didn't know planes could do that at that point. Like I, I wasn't very well versed in, in aviation. You know, it was, it was hard for me to be there in those beginning stages to, like, it was a good thing and a bad thing. Because when I was there, I was kind of this deer in the headlights is the way I describe it, where I had no clue what they were talking about um, because I was so new. And I would sit there and I would, I would listen to them discuss everything they were going to do and do the briefings and then just kind of airport banter. And, and I just remember kind of feeling a little bit like um, nervous because I didn't really know what they were talking about. But basically, I, I do remember feeling a little bit um, kind of like left out at some points. They, they did a good job of including me, but you can't, when you're, when you're new to something and you're around all these people that know everything about it, it can be really hard. So I, I just remember sitting there kind of like, ah. <laughs> I have no idea. But then I watched the video, I watched the, uh, the episodes back and I understand it all now. I'm like, whoa, it's, it's weird to have that kind of reflection where I know exactly what they're talking about now, no matter what. Um, but it was, it was very naive. <laughs> it, was, it was great to see kind of the different uh, experience as well spread out. And what I loved about it was the, the instructor, the aerobatics instructor as well, it was just so calm and he took everything in his stride. And the one thing that really amazed me with your flight was as well is that he, I don't, I don't know if this was planned or not, but you guys ended up doing like a photo shoot formation flight. Yes, that was planned. I didn't know that. I didn't know anything that was going on, so I can't say that I knew. But uh, yeah, that was for the people that sponsored me to send me out to Canada. So that was uh, for Travel Manitoba. We got some really cool photos over the city of us flying and that uh, they kind of booted a lot of the, of the money to send me out because there was a hotel. They paid for my airline tickets. They paid for all my meals. Like I didn't pay for a single thing, which was incredible. Um, but yeah, Luke, uh, as you're talking about the aerobatics instructor, he actually became one of my closest friends. So we, I think I, I talked to him every few days or so. Um, and we've talked a lot about, he's been my greatest mentor for aerobatics. So he's really helped me a lot with kind of this new journey that I've been on and, and just the rest of my flying as well. So Luke is a great guy and he's really helped me out with my flying career. It's pretty. He seems like he can because even watching from the three stories there, he he gets out from flying with with Steve and doing all the the aerobatics um, competition stuff, and then he goes and sends someone solo, and then he puts you in first time aerobatic person, and then he's back to sending Steve again. And it's yeah. it's really really good the way he adapts to it, but it's really good as well for you guys the way you you guys adapted to it as well because nothing seemed to fluster him. Yeah, no, he he's been doing this a long time, uh, and he's very experienced. He he can kind of just take anything that you throw at him. If you're, if you're learning aerobatics and you put him into some kind of crazy maneuver, he, he just understands it all. He's a very good feel for the airplane and he's been, he's a lot of experience to back that up. Brilliant. How did you find the extra 300 compared to your 172? Because look, I've flown an extra 200 and you can fly it with the two fingers like that. And just a little yeah. tiniest twitch sends it going. Well, the, the funniest part, I, I think the part of that video that would do that question justice is when uh, there's this one part where 
uh, he lets me take the stick and I go, wow, this thing really climbs. Like I moved it a little bit and I go, oh my gosh, this thing really climbs. And we were hardly climbing, you know, but, but compared to what I'm used to, it was, it was huge. It was this crazy rocket ship, but I moved it a little bit and I went, whoa, this really climbs. And then he goes, oh, pull it harder. And so then I yank it and we go vertical. And I think like my face in the video just sums it all up, but very different, very different than what I'm used to. It's, it's brilliant. <laughs> so after all that, Hannah, where, where, where was your next kind of port of call when, when you were done filming uh, with Stephen and having the fun and the extra? What, what was your next port of call or did you have any goals at that stage you wanted to reach? Absolutely. I, um, I think it rearranged my goals a little bit, actually, the experience, because I went in uh, kind of, I mean, I started flight training because I wanted to be an airline pilot. That's the reason that I, I did become a pilot is because I wanted that uh, for my career. And I went in and I kind of realized that I was so, after that experience, um, I, I kind of thought that I, I might want to go a different direction and work in a field that would provide more hands-on flying because of how much I learned that I love the actual physical flying of the airplane. Um, I sometimes worry that if I, I mean, I, I still, you know, I'm open to airlines, but I sometimes worry that if I did go to an airline that I would just be doing a lot of sitting and monitoring and, and pushing. And, and I don't think that that's the part of flying that I love, but then I also think that that could fund my aerobatic goals, you know, at the same time. So I had never considered aerobatics or tailwheel before I went to Canada and I was dead set on being an airline pilot. And... I came out of it going, I have to get my tailwheel and I have to start aerobatics. I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do it. And so I went and got my tailwheel, I think like within the next few weeks uh, after I got back. Wow. That, that's quite good going. <laughs> I was, I was so hyped up. I was, I was very, well, I still get very excited about obviously anything new in aviation, but I was very gung ho on like, let's go do this tailwheel aerobatics. Um, I did everything I could to figure out a way to get myself into aerobatics. And it was, it was difficult because it's not a thing that a lot of people do. No. So it's hard to, it's hard to find. And did you find it quite, that you needed to build more hours before you, you managed to get into aerobatics or did you just go straight into it after the tailwind endorsement? Man, I, um, I needed more hours to fill the insurance requirements for the plane that I joined the club in. Um, they wanted a hundred PIC at that point. Um, I think I'd been flying cause I, it was 2019 that I, yeah, 2019 that I went out to Canada and that was kind of in the spring. And then a few months after that in the summer is when I did my first competition and I had a safety pilot because I wasn't insured in the airplane and it, I didn't have enough experience to even land in a crosswind at that point, even with my tailwheel endorsement. So, um, I definitely needed to to honestly, like one of the hardest parts was just getting more comfortable in the plane itself. Mm. So, cause you know, there's, there's flying the figures and there's flying the aerobatics, but you have to land the plane after <laughs> <laughs> you have to land the plane. And so tail was very new to me and, um, we get a lot of wind. So Oregon's very windy, um, in some parts we get, uh, like Corvallis where the competition was and a lot of other places too. We had a lot of wind out here. Um, Corvallis especially though, we would have crosswinds of up to like 15, but a gust factor of 30. And that's wow. normal. And so me being a brand new tailwheel pilot, that was the hardest part was in a tailwheel handling that. And we did have a crosswind runway, but it closed down. And so 
for me, it was like, well, I have to learn how to actually fly the plane before I can even, you know, like, cause I have to get it up there and I have to get it back down and then I have to do everything up there. And so that was definitely difficult was with the wind that we have here. It seems quite a, a demanding task focused environment to be in um, flying aerobatic championships. Like you said, you've got to think about what you're doing next. Um, with, with aerobatic wise, you've got to get the plane off the ground in the first instance, but then you've got to get it back on the ground ultimately. Um, so it just seems like everything is, is, is quite kind of against you, but you still went and, and pulled it off. Cause I, I believe you got a first place in that. Didn't you? I got first place, uh, this previous one. So the first one that I did was right after the competition. Um, and that's a really heartwarming story to talk about was the, the first one that I did the first ever aerobatic competition, because I came out of the flight shops experience, you know, so energized on, finding you know my place in the aerobatic world and, and starting this new journey but I felt kind of alone because I didn't know anybody that did it and so Luke recommended that I go to a competition and that I just hang around people and that I just volunteer uh, so I can get an idea of what it looks like meet people you know maybe get connections because you need a plane of course to fly aerobatics and as soon as I was there, uh, Jim Burke, who's an unlimited U.S. pilot, and uh, he's also an airshow pilot, he, within a few seconds, he said, why don't you compete? And so the only aerobatics I'd done was just riding along with Luke. I didn't really know anything about it, but everybody at that competition really banded together to help me out. And that was one of the finest examples of the community in aviation that I've ever seen. Uh, There's someone that waived my registration fee there was uh, everybody took me up in their planes everybody would sit with me and walk it through everybody would coach me people would be my safety pilot because I couldn't yet fly the decathlon come you know obviously in aerobatics I was not going to go out there by myself <laughs> so I was not going to do that when I had never flown aerobatics before and uh, I'd never even been in a spin until wow. uh, it was three days before the competition. And so everyone really banded together. People would take me up in their planes. So I flew, I think four different planes, uh, just everybody going through all this, all the figures with me and helping me out. And, and uh, I'm really thankful for everybody that did that because it's exhausting. Like aerobatics is a really tiring thing. And these were pilots that were in the upper levels. So these are advanced pilots that are doing these long, hard, complicated sequences, but they're, they could be sleeping or they could be, hydrating they could be resting or practicing on their own yet they took me up to help me like they took their energy their time and and, and that's just like i i can never express how grateful i was for that it's it's amazing and it's one of the things i love about aviation as well and it's really hard to describe to people outside of it is it is a massive family no matter what you fly it could be a paramotor it could be jets it could be microlites it, it can be anything and everyone will band together like you said to, to help each other out and that that's what i love about the community spirit of it it is a community absolutely and did you have any ideas then uh that after you were going to compete before you got there or did they just say no let's go and compete you're, you're going on and then no idea i had no idea i thought well i'd been in contact with um i i kind of knew a few people there uh, kind of the trajectory was my friend uh, Mike, he introduced me to this guy, Matt, who had a pits and I actually just flew with him the other day again. But I texted Matt and I was like, hey, I don't really know anything. I want to get into aerobatics. Um, I heard you compete and Mike 
you know, sent me to you. And then he took me up and then he said, oh, you should come to the contest. And so he, I already knew Matt, which was really helpful because we'd flown together a few times. And so Matt invited me to the contest, but then I didn't know that I was going to compete because everybody was just saying, oh yeah, like, you know, you'll just volunteer and that's, that's the best way to get into it. And that's what I recommend for anybody else too. Not saying you'll have the same results, but you'll go out and compete. But, um, I had also, again, when I was saying I needed 100 PAC hours for the decathlon, there was a, uh, an aerobatics group at Corvallis that had a decathlon that you paid into the membership with, you could rent it. And so Brilliant. I couldn't get insured on that until I had 100 PAC at that time, which seems like so little now. I remember looking at that going, oh my gosh, how am I ever going to get that? And so I flew across country every day solo <laughs> leading up to after that, after the competition in order to get that time. I would just, I did like, I think I did two and a half hours a day of PIC just to get that. And so Amazing. I, I wanted it. <laughs> well, it shows that hard work and perseverance pays off. Um, and just, just got back to the competition. What was that feeling like when they announced, announced you as, as first place in your very first competition, having never flown aerobatics before? That was second place. So I got second, second place in the, in the first one. And then I got first place last year in my second competition. So wow. yeah, second place in the first, uh, first place in the second. Um, and so when I got second, I was very shocked and I felt really bad because I beat people that had been like working harder than me. And I felt really bad about that. Um, but it's kind of like a testament to just, if you are really putting your head in the game of what you can accomplish, if you're really focused about it. And I never thought for one second, I couldn't do it. And I kind of just carried that mentality. I think that's how I was able to pull it off. But, um, everyone was kind of just very like, who are you when I, <laughs> like, when I, I guess when I came up there to get the second place, it was, but, but everyone's a very, very supportive and Brilliant. yeah, made lots of friends from that and still in close contact with everyone. Oh yeah. And, and not to mention, they also like, uh, the wife of the, of Jim. So the wife of Jim, that's a weird way. Marianne, she's one of my uh, closest friends now. And they let me stay in their guest room too, the whole week. Cause I didn't oh, wow. So another, and then they, they got me breakfast, like another form of generosity. They just let me stay in their house. That's fantastic. It's really, really cool. Yeah. Lots of, lots of generosity that week that I experienced. And I, I just didn't know how to thank everybody. Again, yeah. it just shows what the community in, in aviation is, is like, especially you said you're brand new and all of a sudden there's all these people pulling out all the stops for you. Um, I'm just going to touch on a, an aircraft that I, I think you've also got P1 hours in um, that I'm very excited about because I've also booked a flight in myself as a, as a Harvard. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, tell us about that, because that looked really, really cute. I think there's actually a, a, a picture of you guys all in formation as well, like, like yeah. in, um, just in a big line. Yes, that's Brian Harper's T6, uh, and that's the same group. I know T6 and Harvard, they're, Harvard's the Canadian version, I believe, of the T6. And I think it's also the UK version of it as well. Yes, it's, I think because it's winterized, and someone can fact check me on that. I think that's the main difference is the winterization of it because the T6 that Brian has is from South Africa, I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. so, yeah, they're, um, it's, it's a beautiful plane, and he, uh, he's just he's the nicest guy ever, Brian Harper. He's a hazelnut farmer, and he has this T6, and it's, it's kind of like when it comes into the airport, you're like, well, who is this? <laughs> but uh, that was from, that was Jim's birthday party. So Jim's the guy that I mentioned before, the unlimited pilot. And uh, that was the same group that was at the um, 
uh, that's part of the aerobatic club down there at Corvallis that I uh, had first met when I got there. And that's what Jim wanted to do for his birthday. We wanted to fly formation. And so um, I photoshipped that flight. So I was, I, I was, I got a ride in the T6, wow. which was incredible because Brian is the nicest guy ever. And I just started talking to him when he got there because um, I didn't really know him, but other people did, obviously. And I was like, hey, wow, I love your plane. It's really cool. And he just goes, thanks. You want to come up in it? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I want to, yeah, I want to ride. And so that was, uh, that was really special. And I, I understood at that moment why uh, Steve Thorne Flight Shops, you know, loves the Harvard so much. I didn't understand it until I actually felt it. I'm very much looking forward to it now. And everyone like yourself I talked to who's had a spin in it, my own housemates had a spin in it and said it was phenomenal. And even yourself, listening to the enthusiasm and how happy you were from, from having a spin in it, I, I can't wait. Um, we've also got a coffee company over here actually called Warbird Coffee Company & Co. And they have a special T6 coffee, uh, which I managed to get my hands on uh, just to mark the occasion. And um, it's so, so cool just to, just to have that coffee bag sat there with just Harvard sat on it in, in the kitchen, on the kitchen counter. It's a very, um, the way I can describe it, and I think the most amazing thing about that plane is that it's, uh, it's kind of a sensory overload, but in the best way possible. Because I think a lot of planes are sensory overload. Definitely the pits is that way, hmm. for sure. But this one is a very different kind of sensory overload because you can kind of feel as soon as you get into it, you feel like you've stepped back in time and the smell and the sound of the radial and the power behind the plane and the overall experience, the visual smells, like it's, it's all of your senses are firing at once. And I think that's for me what made it so special. I don't know if anyone else agrees with that, but for me, it was just the every sense when you're in that plane is firing, you know? And Brilliant. that's hard to get with, obviously, like all of your senses are always working at the same time because that's how human bodies work. But with this one, especially, they're all, I, I feel like they're all heightened. And that's what I loved about it. That's amazing. And did you get any stick time with it? I did. He let me fly it. Yeah, it's, uh, it controls, it controls very well. I feel like I can't compare it to anything. You know. It's in like a class of its own kind of thing. Well, I suppose yeah. warbirds are, aren't they? They're, they're all in a, you can't really compare them to anything that's around nowadays. Yeah, no, there. I'd never been in a warbird. That was pretty much my first experience with it. And have you any any plans of getting involved with any warbirds, like like Steve has done, um, <laughs> flying to Harvard or anything like that? Well, I only have so much time and money, you know, and <laughs> there's a lot of things in aviation that I really want to get into. Um, and of course, if that experience did come up and I was able to somehow be PIC, like we've got this thing called the Collins Foundation here that is like a traveling, they've got uh, B-52s, they've got like the wow. uh, Mustangs, I believe, I think they have Mustangs, um, and they give rides and they they do like historical tours. And that's actually where I met Mikey, that um, another Mikey that uh, referenced me in the beginning. And so, I mean, obviously if I was ever capable of being PIC in one of those, that would be like getting a type rating would be insane, but I don't know how to really do that. And so <laughs> it's not something you can, really just kind of go and buy well you can buy it but I, I can't buy it so um essentially i would love to but i also want to get into float flying and i want to do backcountry and i also want to expand my aerobatic career brilliant so absolutely I, brilliant i'd love to do it all but you know i i'm not made of you know money and so <laughs> i can only do so much we looked at it over here actually because um we we've you can do uh, rides in spitfires and all over here but uh, it, it's oh on phenomenal amount of money just for sat in the back but it'd be well worth it definitely but 
the Harvard that we have a spin booked in, they offer uh, flight tuition as well. But again, it's it's quite uh, quite pricey. Mm -hmm. But like I said, if you had the money, you'd definitely go and do it. I'd, I'd be there in a heartbeat. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's just so many avenues in aviation. And I think that's one thing that the flight shops experience really showed me is that there's so many more paths that you can go down in aviation. And that's, I think, what opened my eyes to uh, considering other things that aren't just the airlines, you know, because there's so many different avenues that you can take in aviation. And one of the avenues you took actually was was instructor. How, how did that come about? Or how did you even think, or when did you think, start thinking about becoming an instructor? Yeah, that was kind of always the plan from uh, day one, because of course, you know, they tell you, oh yeah, the fastest path to the airlines, you know, is going to be to, and the best way to build time is going to be to be a flight instructor. And then um, that's kind of the, I, I think the natural progression of a lot of, uh, I don't know about how it goes in other countries, but a lot of pilots here who want to get to a career in aviation, um, like a flying something bigger, they do become a flight instructor to build that experience. And um, a lot of people don't want to do it, but they do it anyways, uh, because, you know, and then you, you get these flight instructors that are, and I've, I've seen them, I've, I've worked with them, unfortunately, where they, they don't care about you. Yeah, and I don't I like that want to be that I really did want to try flight instructing um it was of course like I'm not going to say that it wasn't to build hours because that is part of the reason I did become a flight instructor because it's a good job to make money build a lot of experience uh because being a commercial pilot like you get your commercial pilot certificate but then you don't have enough hours to be hired anywhere you know because they're not going to hire you as a fresh commercial pilot it's really hard to get a job you know as an actual commercial pilot and you have to get a lot more experience. And so you do that as flight instructing. It's a really good first job. And I think that it's it's definitely made me a better pilot. It's taught me a lot about aviation just through my own observations of how other people react and how they learn and, and how they interpret flying the airplane. It's like, it's very fascinating to watch people learn how to fly. Like it's, it's been so, and I, I wanna keep doing it. And so um, it wasn't the original plan to be a career flight instructor. I think that I don't want to let it expire though at this point. I think I, I like it more than I thought I would. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes ratings like that, they're easier to maintain than they are to uh, kind of, yeah, as to say, uh, if you let it lapse, it'd be harder to get it back than it would be to just maintain it. And I found I that- I don't let it lapse at all. <laughs> No, I can see that. I, I, what I love about talking to you, Hannah, is, is that your enthusiasm for it. You're the kind of instructor I'd want sitting beside me now if I was learning to fly again. Because, I, like you said, I've had the instructors where I didn't click with them or they didn't want to be there. And it's just not the same environment. And I'd love what I love is instructors who have, have the enthusiasm for it, are able to harness it and are able to pass it on. And that's what you want. Because you come down from a, a sortie or a flight and you think... Yeah, that was that was quite good. And your instructors, if your instructor's happy with it, and and showing that they're happy to be there and flying the aircraft, it go, it goes a long way. Yeah, no, I'm not I'm not just sitting around, you know, like kind of next, next, and and unenthusiastic, and um, and I think I was so tired in the beginning because I was putting in 110 percent of me, and I still do, but I've learned to kind of compartmentalize it, and it's become a lot easier to not get exhausted as you're, you know flying with multiple students every day, but um, I do really love encouraging people because uh, I think my main motivation for why I'm such a passionate instructor and why I'm so um, obsessed with making sure that my students are happy and that they're achieving their goals and that they're, um, they're doing their best that they can is because I was given such a good experience for all of my flight training because I've been, you know, dealt that hand of positivity and 
I've had amazing experiences. I've been supported by everybody that I've worked with, give or take. I've had a few weird male <laughs> airport experience. I, those are always going to happen. They happen on the weekly, but you learn to kind of, <laughs> I get some weird men, um, in my life at the airport, uh, and in my DMS, but, um, but, uh, overall I've been supported more than I can explain. And, uh, just the kindness that I've been shown through aviation, it's made me feel that way towards, I guess, projecting that um, onto other people as well as uh, sharing it, embracing other people that wanna, that are new in aviation, you know, not shutting people out. Cause I, and I talk about this in the other podcast that I did with Pilot to Pilot with Justin, but um, I was actually told that I couldn't be a pilot when I first went to a flight school. And I was oh, actually, really? yeah. Yeah, they told me I couldn't do it, and they they didn't take me. They didn't offer to take me for a flight. Um, they told me that I was too busy, that I that I couldn't do it, um, and that I didn't care enough. They're like, "Well, you clearly don't care. You're clearly not passionate enough." I'm like, "I don't know what a 172 is. Like, I'm sorry that I know nothing." Um, and so I think from all my experiences, both good and bad, I've I really just care about. Um, you know, that next generation of pilots, the people that are learning, I think it's so important to support them and to be there for them because, because I had that. So. Well, 100%. And I think we all need kind of a helping hand in life. Um, I, what I want to know is, is that, does that, has that flight school seen you now? Have, have they any idea what, that you're an instructor? Um, which one? The, the one that said you couldn't be a pilot. Oh, no, they're, they're closing down. Oh, okay. That's self-explanatory really, isn't it? <laughs> Yep, I remember seeing the lady that told me, and it was a woman that actually told me I couldn't be a pilot, oh. um, which is crazy. Yeah, uh, it's a, a my first bad experience was with another woman in aviation, which you would think would be the opposite, but because there's not many of us, and so you think support other women that are trying to get into it. Um, I saw her at some sort of it was a it was some sort of uh, seminar I think at Albany. I saw her very briefly. I don't think she recognized me. And I know that Ray, who was giving the seminar, he um, pointed me out and said, oh, well, for Hannah, you know, when she becomes a, a CFII, so an instrument, or like he kind of, and I, I don't think it was intentional because he doesn't know about how she told me I couldn't do it. But he did point me out as, as accomplishing these things in the crowd. And so I hope she saw that or noticed it or I don't know but she definitely told me I couldn't do it she I almost didn't become a pilot because of her that's mad I, I don't agree with that at all especially when they didn't even bring you flying they didn't <laughs> nothing they didn't offer it's it's not like the weather was bad I remember it being a sunny day and I remember um going in so excited and coming out feeling like I couldn't do it and feeling like I was you know just defeated I had this dream and, and it was squashed by this person and uh very thankful I found my instructor that I ended up working with through all my ratings and certificates. But I just remember feeling so deflated after that. Yeah, I, I can imagine. Yeah, I don't want anyone to ever feel that way again. And that's why I think I'm the way that I am. No, definitely not. And I think there's too many people in this world that are, get kicks out of stamping on dreams and, and, and putting out people's flames and sparks when there's literally no need for it. There's no reason. I feel like, um, I feel like you should support people definitely getting into this. I think aviation, like we've been talking about, is such an amazing community and we've seen the way that it works. And I feel like I would not be where I am today without the support of everybody that's been around me. And, and like I said, give or take, there are a few really weird experiences that I've had, but, but for the most part, you know, the core people that 
um, have really pushed me to achieve these things, um, they're why I, I am where I am in such a short amount of time. It's brilliant to see. And again, like going back to, to what I said from when the video was released, I didn't realize until I, I actually looked into it how far you'd come in, in a year and a half to two years. And it, it's really, really is amazing to, to see that, especially someone like yourself, who's, who's only 23, who's going out grabbing life by the horns and having a blast with it. Thank you. Yeah, it's like I said, I think earlier that there's some days I wake up that I'm like, whoa, how did this? And I think I had one of those even yesterday with a student in the plane, you know, who's starting it up and she is not quite sure where everything is. And, and it's, you know, it takes her a while to start up, which is pretty typical for new students. And I'm sitting there and I'm going like, this is so comfortable for me, but it's so weird because I wasn't there a year and a half ago. Yeah. yeah, I think yeah. Going on, I learned to fly. Let's see, I got my certificate in March of 2019 is when I got my private pilot certificate. And I think I got it around 75 hours. So I think, and I have 650 now. Wow. I, I do a lot of flying. <laughs> so I, <laughs> it's just weird to have that all work itself out. And then to, to kind of almost, it feels like I fast forwarded, you know, to this point where I go, Whoa, okay, I'm here. And I know how to fly a lot of things. And it's really weird. <laughs> Is there a moment uh, of instruction or say any time that you've been flying really that stands out as you think of, oh, I can't believe I did that or I, I can't believe that happened? Ooh, there's so many. Um, let's see, more specifically, if you could narrow that down more specifically, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of those. <laughs> okay, famous uh, or, or famous, your favorite moment as an instructor. As an instructor, okay. Um, I've had a lot of revelations. I've had a lot of my own aha moments. Um, I think it was realizing that now I am this figure that I used to look up to, to other people. Because um, when I was, you know, a student pilot, I would look at my instructor and I would be like, oh my God, like you have all this, I want to be like you. I want to be at that point when I can, you know, move the plane like this, when I can manipulate the plane like this, when I can do these maneuvers like you can. And I just wanted to be that. And now I am that. And I realized that when I would especially work with younger students, you know, and, and they do, I feel like there's no, no one that gives you a better ego boost than students do. Um, if you ever need an ego boost, become a flight instructor and have good students that you get along with because they'll go, like yesterday I did this turn or something. I did something on the taxiway, which was just kind of normal. But my, my, uh, my student, he just goes, Oh, my instructor's a badass. And I was like, I didn't do anything. I just taxi, <laughs> but, but it's things like that where I, you realize that I think it's like not one moment, but like acu accumulation of all these moments where you realize that you're growing and that, and especially that you am always going to, I'm always going to need a teacher. You know, I, I'm never going to stop learning. I'm always going to want a teacher and I'm always going to need a teacher. But realizing that I am the teacher and I am the person that I looked up to, um, that little little Hannah, you know, two years ago would have looked up to, I think is, is really interesting. I think you've put that really nicely. And especially where you're saying you, you need a teacher always learning. I think aviation is a sport where you, you can't complete it. Um, and I always say that the day I, I feel there's nothing for me left for me to learn is the day I stop because I'm going to do something stupid and I'm going to hurt myself. I'm going to hurt someone else. And I think that's definitely a moment where you're always learning. You're always expanding. Every day is a school day. 
you're always learning. I'm always, I'm always taking mental notes and physical notes of what's going on during my flights with my students. Um, I learned so much from them. And I think that the best way to describe it that I, that I try to describe it to people uh, that aren't instructors, and I don't know if anyone else that's a CFI agrees with me, but um, that I know how to make the plane fly and not fly. And I think it's, it's crazy because as a student, you get taught how to make the plane fly. Um, however, I know how to make it not fly. And that's how I'm safe about it is because yeah. I know how to make the plane not fly. And I never thought about that because you're always being taught how to fly, how to fly. How do you make the plane fly? Lift, lift. How do you create lift? But I know how to not create lift in a lot of different ways. I am shown by my students how to not create lift um, or how to misguide lift, how lift is improperly used, how all these forces are are misused as students and I know how to correct that. And that has been the most fascinating thing is learning how the plane doesn't fly. If that makes any sense, kind of deep, but. Yeah, of course. And do, do you find that the, the aerobatics has really helped with that as well by getting put into unusual attitudes? Absolutely, yeah, the, the comfort with it. Um, understanding the limitations of these categories of the planes, you know, whether it be normal utility aerobatic um, knowing what that pull feels like, knowing that I've done uh, a positive four pull, I've done a positive six pull, and understanding uh, just what that takes to overstress the airframe and what you can really put the plane through, um, understanding why it matters, why um, airspeed versus loading matters, and understanding maneuvers that will put you in that, what will stress the airplane out, um, how far can you take a student. It's really helped a lot. It's brilliant to see, especially like, because you get instructors who, like you said, they're probably in the same category of don't want to be there and stuff, but they don't know where the balance is as well of, like you were saying, how to, how to take students or how far to take students. Um, so it's great to see that you've, you've got that experience from, like you were saying, from the aerobatics that you can take into that, show them what the airplane can and can't do and still gauge the, the connection between you and the student there. Um, which is Absolutely. quite good. I, I do laugh when you're saying like uh, about, about the ego boost um, for, for students. I, I took off with a mate of mine, uh, my mate Rob. And as we went past the clubhouse, uh, we're in a, in a climate away. I just gave the wings a waggle. Uh, this, this is mate's fear, right? Just gave the wings a waggle. And instead of being declared a badass, I was declared a show off. Oh, weird. <laughs> weird. That's not a... I, I, I'd say that's just friendly... Little, oh, yeah, like, 100%. Yeah. He, he wanted to make sure my ego wasn't too big. <laughs> hmm, I don't, I feel like that's not like it. I, I, there's people that need ego checks, and I don't think that's one of them. Like, I think that's just like a, I, I do that all the time. I'll wave at people with the wing. I think that's just like a little friendly. Hi. <laughs> it's good fun, I have to say. I, I, I do it, do it. I wouldn't say I do it quite a bit, but um, yeah, it's, it's good fun just, just doing it every so often, just, just say hello. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I, I, I think keep doing it, honestly. That's. <laughs> <laughs> i'll let rob know I'll, I'll tell him he's wrong <laughs> wrong yeah rob's wrong <laughs> <laughs> and Hannah, for any kind of young person um trying to get into this sport or even even young women trying to get into this sport what would mm -hmm. you what advice would you give them because it seems it's quite it is it doesn't seem it is quite male dominated mm -hmm. um so just in aviation in general aviation in general yeah. Um, I think you have to have a really thick skin, first of all, if you are a, a younger woman, because uh, you will be harassed quite a bit. I'm not, say I'm not saying that that will happen, that that's a guarantee. But it, if you ask a lot of young women, um, it will happen. <laughs> it's, it's kind of most likely that it will. Um, and so having a thick skin really helps. And 
uh, kind of knowing how to handle those situations. But with, uh, with all of it in general, um, I don't think that being a woman is really an obstacle to entering aviation. In fact, I think that, um, and I, I've got like a kind of a weird controversial opinion on all the women in aviation groups. I know that it has helped a lot of women to join them. But for me, I think it actually further separates us because I want to be integrated. I want to come in and like, I was the president of my local EAA chapter Exper experimental aircraft association. It's actually the ones that got the um, Oshkosh mug. So yeah, but um, I was the president and I was the only woman and I was the only person under the age of 45. And so I was leading a bunch of people. And I think that um, going into it like that and, and showing that, you know, you can just fit in with, with the guys and that even though it's very um, male dominated and there's people in that group that they, they didn't like me, but, but I don't care, you know, cause there's way more people that do like me. Um, you know, and, and if you don't like me because I'm a girl that flies, that's definitely not my problem. You know, it's, that's firmly not my problem, but, um, but just knowing that like for, for me, I, I just want to be integrated in. You know, I just, I don't want to be called a female pilot. I just want to be a pilot. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to feel like and all that, doesn't it? It's yeah. Yeah. I don't want to feel like I'm standing out. I just want to fit in, you know? And, um, and I think the best way to do that is integration, like, you know, taking a leadership position in, in a local chapter that is male dominated and kind of working your way in with the rest of the community and, and just kind of hanging out and, and it is hard to do, and that's why I'm glad that those groups do exist. So I think that to an extent they do help uh, a lot of women, but it, it's hard, you know. It, it, I've seen both perspectives. I've seen, I've seen girls that have had a lot of difficult, you know, uh, situations in, in different groups. I don't know, like it's, it's hard, but I think that at the end of the day, my advice, because I just ranted for a long time, but <laughs> I just rambled. Um, I think my advice at the end of the day would be that there is no difference with, you know, you and a man. Like there, there's nothing, there's, there's no reason why, why women can't do it. You know, there's literally no barrier, um, you know, to, to becoming a pilot if you're a woman. That's what I like. And I think there's a lot of, uh, pilots um who, who i know that are women and can fly much much better than some of the uh, male pilots i know so it, it like you said there's no barrier and definitely to go, go for it but uh hannah it's been an absolute pleasure having you on today yeah thank you so much for uh for reaching out i really appreciate it not a problem and thank you for coming on and hopefully uh, next time if we, if we talk to you again you'll be teaching aerobatics and, and possibly flying warbirds i hope so that's the goal we'll see where it goes hannah thank you very much thank you Bye 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 bye